Welcome to Sunday Morning Live Fellowship. You are listening to our live Sunday morning service. Now please turn with me to Romans chapter 8 and verse 18. While you're finding our scripture test, I know that you all have heard it said, especially today, Super Bowl Sunday. No pain, no gain. It's a cheap, popular slogan that points to a precious biblical reality that we so often see at work in our world today. For instance, the pain of childbirth gives way to the joy of new life. The disappointments of defeat catalyze the athlete to train even harder. The humiliation of failure leads to our needed awareness of our personal flaws, sober self-evaluation, and the emergence of a better, more mature, more intentional person with different patterns in life. The most cherished realities in our lives are forged in the fires of pain and suffering. We see the evidence in our world and know this to be true even in our own lives. And the Bible affirms this truth for God's people through suffering. Through suffering, God exposes our sin and calls us to repentance. Through suffering, he drives us from the dangers of trust in ourselves to the safety of trust in him. Through pain, God works in us, hope, holiness, and endurance. Ah, Let's consider this subject of pain together as we turn to Romans chapter 8 and verse 18. Consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that shall be revealed in us. I would like to use for a topic this morning, what did your pain say to you? What did your pain say to you? It is hard to ignore pain. You can ignore someone you don't like pretty pretty easy. You can ignore even pleasure, but you cannot ignore pain. We experience physical pain, Mm, stepping on one of those Legos that belong to your great grandkids when you don't have shoes on, slamming your finger in a car door, burning your forehead while you are curling your hair, ouch, getting stung by a bee, rolling on your ankle or a broken rib or a severe burn. And besides physical pain, We can experience mental pain, more than just a headache, but psychological anguish. We can experience as human beings, we can experience emotional pain. Sometimes our heart is just broken. As we endure the deep inner pain of being rejected, being stabbed in the back by a close friend, the pain of divorce, the pain of emotional abuse, the pain of disappointment, the pain of loneliness, the pain of being made fun of, the pain of regret, guilt, the pain of failure, the pain of losing a loved one. Some of our pain is self-inflicted and some of our pain is inflicted upon us by others. 
When we experience pain, it has a language all of its own. And pain is trying to say something important to us. For instance, if you have a pain in your leg, this means something is wrong with your leg. If you have a pain in your chest, this could mean you're having a heart attack. When you put your hand on a hot hot surface, the pain you feel causes you to move your hand, which will prevent further injury. The location of the pain and the type of pain you experience in your body was put there by God so that you can know what is wrong with you and what you need to do to take care of yourself. But to treat all pain the same would be crazy. If your leg hurts, you need a different treatment than if you're having a heart attack. And so it is in the spiritual realm. You can't treat every pain with the same spiritual prescription. Sometimes we are hurting from acute suffering, chronic conditions, and brokenness. So often we want to help others that are hurting and immediately we write them one of those generic Christian prescriptions. You know what I mean? Well, if you would just had enough faith, you'd be delivered right now. If you would read your Bible, you wouldn't have all this trouble in your life. If you would just pray three times a day, that sin would be gone. Beloved, let's not give out these quick fixes without praying and asking God for wisdom on how to respond to others. Sometimes all God wants us to do is listen and pray for that person. We can actually do more harm than good by producing deeper pain, deeper guilt, and a lingering sense that they just aren't good enough or will never please God when we give out these quick spiritual prescriptions. Quick fixes often put the focus on man-centered work gospel of somehow further, further saving ourselves or completing the work of salvation, rather than resting in and living out the God-centered life of what Christ has already done for us at Calvary. In other words, it's already done. And some Christians are just called to endure a disproportionate amount of pain. I mean, these Christians are like flaming bushes that are not being consumed and causes us to ask like Moses, why is this bush not burned up? The strength and stability of these Christians can be explained only by the miracle of God's sustaining grace. The God who sustains Christians in unceasing pain is the same God with the same grace who sustains us in our time of being free from pain. Now, it is our nature and rightly so to avoid pain. There's nothing unusual about Christians who are happy in prosperity. That's natural and even expected. Pain can inflict wounds far worse and far more lasting than any psychological agony. At its worst, it can cause us to doubt God's goodness, to wallow in self-pity, and to isolate ourselves from God as well as from others. 
Pain can become proud because it believes no one else understands. No one feels what I feel. And so pain will tell you to distance yourself from anyone who is trying to speak into your suffering. But the afflicted inflict themselves even more the further they separate themselves from others. The truth is that the people in your life most certainly don't understand your pain. I get that. But the truth also is that the one who designed every inch of our bodies and authored every minute of our story, including our pain, he knows and he understands. The God who speaks into all of our pain through the Bible is the same artist who painted the brightest lights and caused the darkest shadows. He knows your pain perfectly. And if you trust him and receive his word of hope, however it comes, he promises good for you and whatever you're facing. Beloved, when we're going through trials, it's so tempting to look at our lives from the perspective of our pain. Suffering doesn't automatically produce pleasant things. In fact, trials commonly make people feel increasingly bitter, despondent, impatient, envious, and angry. But beware, because if we respond in unbelief, suffering will produce bitter fruit. But if we do not give up, suffering can produce a harvest of righteousness Beloved, everything in our lives is an opportunity to give God glory. Now, I have to be honest, proclaiming the gospel is not my first thought when I'm in pain. My first thought is, oh, please don't let this happen. And my second thought is, help me, deliver me, please take this away. Suffering is far too valuable. God is using it in a thousand ways and a lot of those ways we will never see or know. But one way God is using your pain is to bring him glory. How can you say that my pain is going to bring God glory? Well, I'm glad you ask. First, when we are in pain and if we manage not to cuss God out, and we don't forsake God, and we remain faithful, we are saying to the world that Christ is greater than my pain. We say to the world that Christ is more precious to me than having freedom from my pain. My pain, in fact, becomes a suffering with Christ. Because we are walking with him. We are holding fast to him in the midst of our suffering. Rather than throwing him away because of our pain, we are saying to the world that God is greater than anything that we go through in this world. And the second way our suffering can glorify God when we endure our pain by trusting the promises of 2 
Corinthians 4 and 17. You remember we went over that a couple of weeks ago. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more and exceeding eternal weight of glory. And you remember last week we preached from Philippians 1, 20 and 21, how honoring God in our death is by counting death as gain. Paul looked at his whole life of suffering and found Christ greater than anything he suffered on earth. Few things mess the devil up more than when we suffer and yet maintain an unwavering attitude of faith and praise. When we watch others walk through the valley of the shadow of death with purpose and joy in God through all the ups and downs, their faithfulness and endurance will inspire fresh hope in those that are watching. And number three, we bring God glory because suffering reveals our purpose and treasure in a way that comfort and security cannot. Beloved, don't assume that your suffering is a detour. Suffering may hinder or even halt a hundred things in your life, but God loves to use our grief to magnify our limited vision of him. He wants us to magnify his holy name and bless him with all that is within us, even our pain. Listen to me, beloved. Someone needs to see you suffer. I know I'm right. Philippians 1, 12 through 14 says, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Even while Paul suffered in horrible ways, he was more concerned for others' faith and joy in Jesus than he was for his own circumstances. Paul wanted others to know that God can be trusted no matter what comes, that the gospel cannot and will not be suppressed, that Jesus really is worth everything that we may suffer down here. He is not writing to gain their sympathy, but to inspire and fortify their devotion to spread the gospel. What if we suffered? When we suffered, if we had the eyes like Paul and we could see the opportunity to encourage and inspire other believers, especially those who are suffering. We don't know all of God's purposes in our pain, but we do know that he uses it to prepare us to comfort others. That means we often suffer sometimes severely in ways we don't understand now because we haven't met the person who will one day be comforted by our story. Greater suffering requires greater comfort from God, which makes us greater comforters to others. 
We want others to come to Jesus because they saw in us how patiently we responded to the unexpected problems that we went through at work. We want others to press through because they saw how we got through our loss. We want others to hang on because we were a witness that did not complain when we were wronged without cause. We want others to praise God anyhow when they see how we never complained or placed blame. We want another believer to witness about Jesus because they watched us continue to share the gospel while we were being rejected by yet another relationship. We want whatever we suffer, however big, however small, to make God look more trustworthy and satisfying for anyone who might see us suffer. Someone needs to see you suffer well with Jesus. People need to see you clinging to his promises, treasuring his friendship, and praising his name when life is falling apart all around you. Some may not know how much they need to see you endure because their suffering hasn't come yet, but it will. And when it comes, they will remember the saints who they have seen suffer well. The key to suffering well is Christ. Christ, the Son of God, humbled himself to become a flesh and bones man like you and I. And being a human, an innocent, sinless human being, he humbled himself to die a sinner's death in our place on the cross. He shed his own blood for my soul. His broken body and poured out blood paid the debt for my crimes that I could not pay. In the sacrifice of Jesus, my sin, not in part but in whole, was nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Finally, the last note in every refrain from a song of pain is joy because nothing, no news, no one, no event, no loss can take Christ and his love from me. Not even death. When I close my eyes for the very last time, that moment of greatest, deepest loss will be gained. And Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. We can have peace and faith and even joy when we lose everything because we never lost anything. Regardless of what happens here on earth, we'll spend eternity enjoying the God who became like us, gave his life for us, rescued us from our sin, and delivers us to a full and enduring eternal life. God has given us a merciful gift in the words of the song. It is well, it is well with my soul. When peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot thou has taught me to say. It is well, it is well with my soul. Have you known that kind of peace in the midst of chaos in your life? Have you felt God's love when you've walked through a tragedy? 
Is there something big and strong comforting you at the bottom of your responses to discouragement, disappointment, and loss? In Christ, it can be well for you, whatever the circumstances. He died for you. He sympathizes with your pain. He stays with you and he promises to deliver you to himself where he will be forever. He will be guarding you perfectly from sin, death, suffering, and grief. If you have not received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, please pray this simple prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I have done many things that don't please you. I have lived my life for myself only. I am sorry and I repent. I ask you to forgive me. I believe that you died on the cross for me to save me. You did what I could not do for myself. I come to you now and ask you to take control of my life. I give it to you. From this day forward, help me to live every day for you in a way that pleases you. If you pray that simple prayer with me, please call me at 231-349-1046 so I can discuss with you the first steps of salvation. God bless you.